There is a protocol in which we accept one another or we have communication with one another. That was fulfilled in what Jesus did for us on the cross. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. You'll find that you'll have a conversation. You might be talking about anything from traffic tickets to to uh, how cold it's been or how hot it's been till something sparks something and then it'll move into a spiritual realm. Now notice she changes the gears because I believe at this point when Jesus said who you're with right now, I believe she came under conviction. Because she knew that wasn't right. And so in order to compensate for it, she brings in a spiritual aspect. Our fathers worshiped in the mountain. And you Jews say in Jerusalem is the place we ought to worship. She changes it. Now you'll find this a lot of times in the Bible and other places, even from Jesus' own disciples. We remember that Jesus sent his disciples into Jericho to find a place for them as as Jesus is on his way to um, be crucified. And, And we remember that he said, go get us a room. So they go into town, they come back, and they said, no one would give us a room. Now, I don't know whether it was just because of who they were or whether there was a, maybe a rodeo in town or something, I don't know. They were all, wherever it was, all the rooms were taken. And then we find the two disciples of Jesus said, James and John, sons of Zebedee, they were called sons of thunder, we see why. Shall we call fire down and burn them up? Uh, don't you think, I can just see Jesus go, don't you think that's a little extreme? (laughs) You can't get a motel room, and so you want to call fire down from heaven and burn them up because you can't get a motel room. Yeah, that's a little radical. But I noticed something that they did. James and John, they said, like Elijah did. You know, if you're going to do something kind of wicked, kind of harsh, kind of irrational, sometimes you want to wrap it in some kind of a Christianese. You want to make it sound spiritual. We, you know, we can't get a motel room. Yeah, they turned us down at the Motel 6. Shall we call fire down from heaven and burn them up like Elijah did? Well, Elijah never called fire down from heaven and burnt people up because he couldn't get a motel room. This woman, same way. She comes under conviction when Jesus says, and who you're with is not your own. She says, well, let's talk about where we worship. Notice Jesus' response. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. 
We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. In other words, he's saying that your relationship with God, worship isn't just in one spot, whether Gerisim or whether in Jerusalem, it's where you stand. It is so phony that the church for so many years made people think that the only place they would encounter God was in a building. This is one of the great problems that I oftentimes have had with the Catholic Church and whatever, because, and this is why you find the pagan religions in, in the Middle East, they have these ornate temples, and the reason they have these ornate temples, they believe their God lives inside that building, and the only place you're going to find God is when you go to that building, then you can really have some relationship with God. Jesus is breaking that away. He's saying, no, no. You have a relationship with God right where you stand. It's not going to be in Jerusalem. It's not going to be on a mountain. It's going to be where you are right now. I like that. You see, it's not religion anymore. It's not where we're going to go through the antics and the mechanics of some type of relationship with God, and God pats us on the head and says, oh, you've done good. See you next week. But God says, I'm with you all the time. I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother's. And you'll find one of the greatest ministries that Jesus endeavored to do was to move worship out of the temple and into our daily lives. See, that's what God wants. He doesn't want us to just come see him once a week. He digs on you. He wants you to be with him all the time. Why is that? Because he loves you. And because he loves you, he wants to be with you. You know, when you're in love with somebody, you want to be with them. You ever notice that? Some of you that are in the dating world, now some of us that may be a little older, maybe you forgot about a little bit of this. But in in the dating world, you know, you text your boyfriend or girlfriend a little message. And and in fact, they must have a lot of these going on because I rarely see anyone that isn't got one of these things in their hand doing this. And why? Because, well, maybe he sent me a message or maybe she sent me a message. I want to read about what does he want to say to me? Well, it's kind of cool, really. We're able to keep in contact with those that we love all the time. I know oftentimes moms will be texting their kids or the kids will be texting their moms. That's a great thing. But you want to be close to those that you love. Now imagine if you only got to see the one you love once a week. You see, that would, that would you'd say, well, that's okay, that's great, I'm glad I get to see you. But That person says, but I want to see you every day. I want to talk to you every day. I want to be in communication with you every minute. You'd say, wow, that's really cool. That's what I want. That's what religion surplanted when man rebelled against God in the garden. Fellowship was broke. God reestablished it through the law. But the thing is, the law was meant to show us the level of communication God wanted to have with us. See, in other words, if I'm going to talk to somebody, if you're going to talk to anyone, you want to know properly how to talk to them. 
When I was in Tonga many years ago, uh, we sat, we were going to go see the, we were waiting to go in and see the king of Tonga. And I remember there in the room, I, there was a couple of people. One guy was from Europe who happened to bring, and I can't remember all it was, but he had brought him a present of something from the Winter Olympics to put in his museum there. And, and you would bring the king a gift to, to uh, be presentable to him. Well, there's certain things that you would want to do too, like any of you that were going to go out on a date with somebody, for instance. And um, uh, as you uh, call your sweetie on the phone or text, and you're going to go see him, I'm going to come see you in about 10 minutes. But you just got done changing the oil in your diesel truck. And it's all over your hands. It's all over your face. You had to lay underneath there and your hands are all greasy up to your elbows. And you go over to your sweetie's house after texting them, I'm at the door. It's funny that we actually do that. I am now breathing. I mean, we, we text them about everything. I'm getting pulled over by a cop. No, I, I don't know, whatever it might be for texting you. Uh, but anyway, and we, we do that. And then so what happens is that we would go over and see them and we have black, greasy gunk all over us. We're a grick, if you will. We crawl out from underneath the car. Where it, and you, you, you reach your hands out for your sweetie to come hold, give you a hug. And oil is dripping off of you. You go, ooh, I don't think I want to hug you right now. Why? Because there's certain protocol in relationships. In other words, uh, we, we, we don't want to, uh, you know, if you're, you know, if you're going to go out on a date, you don't want to uh, do that after you just, you know, plowed 40 acres and, and we smell like a goat and, 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 you know, honey, come here. Ah, I don't think so. You know, there is a certain way that we approach a relationship is what I'm saying. The law gave us that protocol of what God expects. But when we really read it, we realize that God, I will never be degunked enough. I'll never be clean enough. I'll never smell good enough to have a relationship with you because, well, Paul says all of our righteousness is filthy rags. So then how then do I do that? Well, first of all, Jesus gives us that Holy Ghost bath, that Holy Ghost shower that cleans us up. That's what allows us then to have a relationship with God. But once that relationship is established, it isn't a once a week thing where I go by the rules to find out how to have a relationship with you, God. God says, you already have the relationship with me and let's have it now. Wherever you're at, whatever you do, you never leave God in the building when you leave. God goes with us. We come together. We study God's word together. We enjoy one another's company. We praise him for who he is. But the point is, is that there is a protocol in which we accept one another or we have communication with one another. That was fulfilled in what Jesus did for us on the cross. So when Jesus said there's a time coming and now is, that is what he's talking about. The relationship that God wants to have with you is right now, wherever you're at. Not necessarily in Jerusalem, not necessarily in Mount Greesom. It's right now. And so verse 24, God is spirit. 
And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know Messiah is coming, who's called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And literally what she's saying here, he'll tell us all things to have that relationship with God. And Jesus said to her, I I who speak to you am he. Now at this point, the disciples came and marveled that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, who do you seek or why are you talking with her? Why is that? Well, first of all, he was talking to a Samaritan. And again, because of their dress, because of their accent, because of the time of the day that she was at the well, because no doubt when most people came to the well to get water, it was in the cool of the evening or in the early morning, not in the heat of the day. So probably this woman was ostracized by her community. In other words, nobody wanted to have anything to do with her because she was shacked up. And so because of that, it says that she... Uh, would would come and, and was found there at, at uh, 12 o'clock in, at noon. And so the woman left her water part and went away into the city and said to the men, now it's funny, she didn't go to the ladies. Isn't that unusual? You know, sometimes these little things in the Bible, you don't, you just kind of breeze over, you wouldn't do. But she said to the men, evidently she probably didn't have a lot of relationship with the women, probably because she'd been married five times, maybe because she was living with somebody, but the men accepted her. That's a little questionable, isn't it? And it says, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And the men of the city went out and came to him. Now, uh, this is a little bit of question here. The woman says, come see a man that told me everything I've ever did. And if there's any indication that this woman married five times, shacked up with somebody, who knows what else she did. Notice the Bible says all the men came running. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, says they came out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of he who sent me and to finish the work. By the way, friends, that's the same thing that can be said for any one of us. Our purpose in life is to do what God has called us to do. We've talked about this many times before. You're the only one like you that's ever been on this earth. You're the only one like you that will ever be on this earth. God made you unique for his purpose and for such a time as this. And so when our work is done, we get to go home. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say that there are still four months And then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look, the fields, for they are already white with harvest. Now, Jesus was probably here speaking again, metaphorically, 
Speaking of the water that was natural where the woman was at the well, speaking of living water, now he's doing it to his disciples. You say, well, there's four months and then the harvest come. But look, the fields are already white with harvest. But Jesus is harvesting something other than grain. He's harvesting people. And God's value system is different than our value system. And so he says, and he who reaps receives wages and he who gathers fruit for eternal life both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together for this saying is true one sows another reaps i sent you to reap for that which you have not labored others have labored and you have entered in to their labors this is that story that jesus gave but god's the one that brings the increase And so many Samaritans of that city believed on him. That was the bottom line of all this. Jesus reached out to a Samaritan city, though he was really called to the Jews, and the Samaritans were half Jews, if you will. He says they believed on him because of the word which the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. And so when the Samaritans had come to him, he urged them to stay with them, And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we have heard ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amazing story. Here you find Jesus goes out of his way to talk to one person, and that one person evangelizes the town. Have you ever thought when you share the gospel with somebody that that one person that you may lead to Christ may change an entire city? I believe that this is why every opportunity that God presents to us, when we see and understand people's empty heart, that God has something warm and real and true that he wants to put in their heart, That person will never be the same. That area that they live in will never be the same. That city, their friends will never be the same. Why? Because you cannot have a close encounter with God and not have it change you forever. That's the way God works. Because God deals in a spiritual world. Now again, we're all spiritual beings. Whether you want to be or not doesn't change the fact. We are. And that's why even people that do not know who Christ is realize there's more than meets the eye. And so when you come along as a child of God, enlightened by the scriptures, who know who God is, that you've been born again, you bring that aspect of true spirituality. There's a spirituality, friends, in the world. Look at some of the weird stuff that Ophrah has gotten herself into. Look at some of the weird stuff that the religions of the world teach. It's spiritual, but it's not of the spirit. It's of the spirits of the world. And when you come along and present to them the truth, their lives are never the same. Why is that? Because you brought to them the truth of God's word. And when you hear that God loves them, and when you hear that God cares about them and died for their sins and wants to give them living water, when God, when your God wants to give them a, a, a regeneration and not just living water, but Jesus said, out of you will come rivers of living water. Why is that? Because God is the source of that. Letting God be God. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. This morning, only you know where you're at with God. 
Nobody else does. Only you do. You may have been able to pull it off for your husband, pull it off for your wife, or your kids, or your parents. But only you know where you're at with God. God, have I really, truly surrendered my purpose on this life for you? Now, here's the great part. When we accept Christ as our Savior, we move from existence to the purpose that we are placed on this earth. And when we do that, God then says, you're going to lay up for yourself rewards in heaven. In fact, uh, we find here as well, Jesus says uh, in verse 36, and he who reaps receives wages. Do you realize that when you do what you do for God in heaven, there will be a grand payday? Not uh, with a 501c <laughs> C, uh, tax exempt thing or some other 1040 ex, uh, you know, withholding. You're going to get the full thing that God has for you. And I, this morning, I just want to invite you, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, maybe you're like the woman at the well. You have a concept of religion. You have a concept of where we should be when we pray or go to something spiritual. But if you came to the place where you realize that God wants to meet you every minute of every day, right where you are. And this is one of the great things that Jesus did in correcting their understanding of who God was. They believed you went to a place to find God. Jesus said, God is where you're at. Now, when we realize that, it changes the way we live. When we realize that everything we do, we do in the full sight of God whether it be to the good or to the bad. God is there. This is why the Bible says you must be born again. Now, what does it mean to be born again? That's where you invite God to come in your life, formally. Not a church, not a denomination, not a religion, but where you ask God himself, come live inside of me. You see, the Bible says God does not live in buildings made with men's hands. No matter how beautiful, no matter how ornate, no matter how much gold plating is in there, God doesn't live inside of buildings. He lives inside of you. I just want to ask you a question. Have you made God welcome in your home today, inside of you? And when we do that, as Jesus taught the disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we want to be about daddy's business. You know, all the other business is monkey business. You know, when you really stop to think about it. I mean, in eternity, it ain't going to mean anything. But what we do for God lasts forever. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked Christ in your life, we're going to pray. And you can ask God to come in your life. He'll do as you ask because he loves you. He changes death to life. No purpose to purpose. No reason to live for a reason to live. No hope of eternity to eternity with him by simply praying. That's right, just by asking. That's what, a, that's what a gift is. A gift is something you didn't do anything for, you just take it. You know, you could have the greatest gift in the world sitting on a table, but if you don't go take it, it's not yours. Well, that's why the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We receive it. And so I just want to invite you today, take it. Take what God's got for you. Grab it. Hold on to it. Never let it go because God's got that for you. If you've never prayed and received Christ, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask Jesus to come into your life. Forgive your sins because your sins are what blocking you 
from moving forward into what God wants you to do. It's like, a, it's like a, a moldy old anchor that you're trying to drag around with you. Those thoughts of the past, those things that people have done to you, the things you've done to people, God wants to just cut you free of that, give you a brand new start. If you want that today, you pray this, God will do it. So let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life. And so from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. He's the one now that makes me righteous. And so now write my name in your book of life. That I can spend eternity with you. Never be scared of dying again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be about your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.